Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. So this week I was talking to a friend who had a really tough season at the back end of last year. They, they burnt out and, uh, and so they went and they saw a psychologist and the psychologist had uh, said to them when they sort of asked them what they'd been up to, uh, this friend was sharing all the things that they were doing in their life. The psychologist just uh, looked at them and said, well, I know exactly what the issue is. I know exactly why you're here. It's because you, you've got so much stuff happening in your life at the moment um, that you've pushed yourself to your absolute limit. It's why, it's, it's why you're here. There's no space. And, uh, and ironically, as I was chatting to him this week, I thought, well, that is exactly what we're talking about. That's exactly what we're talking about. Breathing room, as we learnt last week, is the space between your current pace and your limits. And for many of us driven lower North Shoreans, that was uh, challenging news for us to recognise that we do have limits. And we learn, just as we did with our friend, uh, that you will find your limits one of two ways. Either God will ordain them for you, show them to you, or you can have a psychologist help you understand your limits. It's your choice this morning as to which way you want to go about it. But given the psychologist was stealing all of my good material, I think, first of all, it shows us two things. First of all, it's affirming that what we're talking about is, is not nonsense, that it's practical. It's also good news because I've just saved you all a couple of hundred bucks. <laughs> so just ch- chuck it in the box up the back on the way out if you're blessed by this this morning. <laughs> The point is that we're learning is that God didn't intend for you to live your life like this, if you didn't see this picture. Thank you for all the other Northsiders who have shown me variations of this throughout the week. I welcome any more emails, but you've got it. There are bags on that truck there that represent your life, your bills, the kids, work, all of the things that are happening. God didn't intend you to live like that. He intended you to live like this. Ah. The point is life works better when there's breathing room. You found out that this morning, didn't you, hun? When I didn't fill the car with petrol. <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here, for my sake. <laughs> they made it. Life works better when there's breathing room, right? How's that, how'd it go for you with your homework? Carving out space. And now, we learn pretty quickly when there's not breathing room in our lives. Uh, we see it all the time. You know, pretty... Pretty quickly if there's not breathing room. You know it when you catch yourself saying things like this. Honey, honey, it's okay. It's just a season. And then your honey says to you, you've been saying that for the past three and a half years. <laughs> you know that you're running out of breathing room when you're saying to your kids, honey, what time is your performance on? Like, not 7.30. What time specifically amongst the 45 other songs of kids that I don't want to listen to? When are you exactly going to be on stage so I can rush there from work, make the appearance up the back of the auditorium, let you see me, and then I can run back out to my emails? Uh, you know that you're running out of breathing room. When you drive so fast, you actually see yourself arriving at your destination. You know you're running out of breathing room when uh, you're, you're at work thinking, gee, I need to be with the family. And then when you get home with the family, you think, gee, I need to be doing some more work. You know you're out of breathing room when you're doing more hours as a retiree <laughs> than you did when you were working in the first place. We've got a few of them around here. Our ones are called the two Davids, David Solomon, David Hunter. They do more hours in their retirement than they ever felt, any, ever felt like that. 
Today, I want to talk about how to save you from that. I want to talk about how to save you from that earlier rather than later. And of course, there's lots of different ways we could do that. We could talk time management. And there are all sorts of courses around time management, by the way, and they're still going, which sort of says to me, if we had have worked out time management, then we still wouldn't be doing courses on time management. I mean, I've got to work time management to be able to do a course in time management. I don't think in what we'll see here in the Bible, but the Bible doesn't talk about time management. It talks about time recognition. That's a new phrase I'm going to coin. Time recognition, in other words, to see time for what it really is. And here's what it really is. Your life is your time. Because as your time goes, your life goes, right? I'm not sure if you realize that. And the, the Bible goes levels deeper than any time management course. And I'm excited to talk about this because I, I think, I think the, the big idea of this morning has been mucking with my head this week in a great way. And, and I, I've been wrestling through this. I've been seeing the, everything that I've been doing this week differently in light of what I'm about to share with you in a second and what the scriptures share with us. But if you don't know, your time is your life. And so as your time goes, your life goes. And so you're ready, ready for this pearl, the big idea. Ready for what's been mucking with my head. I think it's going to muck with your head this week if you get it right. Here it is. Your time is allocated. So the question you need to ask yourself is, how will I allocate my time? My time has been allocated, so how will I allocate my time? It's a question I've been asking myself all of this week, and it's totally shifted the way that I've been living. And that pearl comes from um, none other than a, a guy in the Bible called Moses. This is the Psalm of Moses. Did you ever know that Moses wrote Psalms? I didn't until I read this. shows how much I learned in Bible college. Moses wrote a Psalm. Now... If, if, if ever there's a guy who can teach us about time, it's Moses. The one thing I did sort of know in Bible college about Moses is that he lived until he was 120. So the guy knows a fair bit about time. The guy knows about the seasons of time. He knows about what it's mean to be a little baby that got shuffled out and down a river and then raised in the courts of the Pharaoh. He knows what it's like to spend 40, 50 years tending sheep, watching the sun rise, watching goats and sheep bleat, watching the sun set, watching the sun rise and sheep and goats bleat and the sun set for 40 years of that. That's a lot of thinking time. Then he's been in the centre of it all. Pharaoh, let my pe pe people go. Tells Pharaoh to let his people go. He leads a revolution of these slave people out of the clutches of the greatest military power the world had ever seen at that point in time. And then he spends another 40 years at the end of his life wandering around the desert. More time to think. So don't you reckon he's the best authority for us to learn about time? And he does it here in Psalm 90. And here's what we learn straight up. Your time is a gift from God and it's limited. Let's have a look at verse 1 here. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all the generations before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting you are God. Who woke up thinking like that this morning? <laughs> yeah. This is, this is why this is so revolutionary. We don't think like this. We, we don't think in this context. We have, we have this little circle, this little circle that consumes us. It's, it's our life. 
And until we come into contact with words like this, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, suddenly what, that, that, what that's done is that, that's just expanded that circle to say, hang on, this is not all there is. It's like you can look as far back in history as you could possibly go and, and you look further and further and further and, and you would bump into a guy called God. What are you doing here? Well, I've, I've always been here. And then you can go further and further as far as you can into the future forever and ever and ever and you're going to bump into a guy called God. What are you doing here? Well, I'm from everlasting to everlasting. You know, this is the sort of verse that's the spiritual equivalent of walking down the street on your iPhone and you bump into a, a no standing sign on the footpath. <laughs> right? It lifts our eyes up out of what we're doing in the context of our life and going, there's a bigger picture. So that's the first way that this works better than a time management course. And then Moses goes on. Here's the next one here. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night, two to three hours. And yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the grass of the morning. Return to dust, you mortals. It's like, it's like, something, it's like something out of a Hollywood movie, isn't it? I return to dust, you mortals. Now, uh, people read that. The modern person reads that and thinks, "Oh my goodness! You know what sort of God is this? Is he there? Is he there killing people? Is he? Uh, what, what's he? What's he saying? Uh, uh, um, how does all of that work?" Look, the whole point is that the psalmist Moses understands that God is in control of the time that we have on this earth. I don't know how it works, but he understands that our time is. Allocated, our time is limited, and it can sound offensive to the to the modern person. But God understands and knows how many days we each have left, and we don't think that way. We often don't comp- contemplate the brevity of our life. Whether you're a believer or not, here's the here's the litmus test. Whenever there is a crisis in your life, if you think you're at that edge, how many times do you see people pray? Why do we do that? We have a sense in which this concept of God is the one that controls the allocation of our time. And we have uh, verse 6. In the morning it springs up new, but by the evening it's dry and withered. It's saying your life is like a little bit of grass from God's perspective that, that starts in the morning and by the time the day's gone, it's gone. And that's being generous in the allocation of time that is our lives in the middle of the everlasting to everlasting. Are you getting the perspective here? God says your life is like this from his perspective. That these lives that we get so worked up about, that we are getting so anxious about, that we're getting so busy with, that we're getting so consumed with, it's like that. That's the perspective, the life that could be going so slowly for us. That's the perspective. How inspiring. How, how wonderfully inspiring. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? <laughs> but have a look at what it's doing here. Here comes the, here comes the application here. Here comes, here comes the great point. Verse 12. Teach us to number our days. This, this is the thing underneath all time management courses. If you get this verse, this is, this is the one verse that could change your life because it'll change your time and your time is your life. Teach us to number our days. We don't do this, or not much. I, I did it this week. Uh, those of you that do, you, you go to a thing called deathclock.com. You can go to deathclock.com. Anyone been to deathclock.com, right? 
It's wonderfully inspiring this morning, isn't it? Deathclock.com, basically what you do is you type in the parameters of your life into a web form and based on your health and your age and your body mass index, it gives you the best possible guesstimate as to what time and what day you will die. And not only that, it's even better than that, you can get a little app for your desktop on your computer (laughs) that counts down the seconds that you have. Imagine imagine starting the day, opening up the email and there's your death clock going off. I was freaking out. I'm like, I've just lost 10 seconds. You've lost just 10 seconds. I'm never getting them back, man. (laughs) Teach us to number our days. And here's where it's so powerful is that we don't do this naturally. It's not how we live. We spend our lives going, well, I'm going to be in this job forever. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be in this tough situation forever. Life's never going to change. I'm just going to be stuck in the same city the whole time. I'm going to be stuck in the same apartment the whole time. Right? We don't, we don't live this way. We don't think about the death clock. And Moses says, no, 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 no. It's a huge mistake. You need to learn to number your days, which means you live to learn as if the death clock is counting down. And by the way, you do this already in so many other areas of life. You do it. You see a bride. It's not called a death clock. but <laughs> but they, they, they do. You could get one for brides. It counts down how many days. I can see where your minds are going with this. All the guys are going, hmm. <laughs> count down the days and you plan accordingly. If we've got this many days left and months left and hours left and seconds, I need flowers, I need tables. We've done that, right? Now, you've done it if you study for an exam. You know how many weeks for an exam. So you prepare, I need to get through this chapter and this chapter and this chapter. You do that. Um, If we do it for that, why is it that we don't often do it for our lives? Moses says, look at the power of this wisdom. Teach us to number our days. The question is, he says to you, do you live your life that way? If you lived as if your days were numbered because you had a deadline and you knew eventually that that clock would run out, how would that change the way that you plan and allocate your time? And so here's the key. This is why we mustn't miss this. Verse 12 still teaches to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so here's the wisdom. It's simple as this. If my time has been allocated, then how will I allocate my time? The wisdom is that if I know that God has purposed me, allocated this time to me, to do good works through me, then how will I use that time for his purposes? And some of your minds are already racing now, aren't you? You're already starting to get ahead to the application of the message. You're starting to think, well, what have I done this week? (laughs) I've spent that much stupid time on email and this and that. This is what we're we're thinking through. The wisdom is this, that if you understand your days are limited, then you begin to think about what goes in and what's going out. That is the simple, powerful wisdom that would trump any time management course that you can think of. To live as if our days are numbered, which is in, which is out. Can you see how if you recognize that your time is limited and allocated, that it it need not be morose, but a wonderful motivating factor in to say, what am I going to do with it? By the way, some of you live life at the moment. You're already beating yourselves up before you've gotten here because you've lived a good 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 years and you've thought to yourself, what did I ever do? What have I done? 
And yet I, I love the heart and spirit of people, like a lovely lady we had in this place called Peg Cameron. <laughs> now must be right in the, in the 90s. And every time I'd see Peggy, you know, she, she'd be sick or the, the, the mind would be starting to fade a little bit. And she would always say to me, yeah, but love, you know, God must still have something for me to do here. She knew where she was going. She knows where she's going. But she is someone who lives, if God has given me a precious gift of time, how will I allocate my time? She invited a real estate agent to church at the age of 80. It means everyone is a firefly, not just the young'uns that are enthusiastic. It's not just for the young'uns that have got heaps of life for them together. Some of you have already tapped out on this and thought that God has left your purposes and your best years behind you, and yet we're hearing from a guy who's got the wisdom who only got his ministry started at the age of 80. How many in the room here still have another 10 to 20 years to go before they hit that number? If God has allocated you time to breathe and move for his purposes, how will you allocate your time? Now, I'm going to do a huge favour for you now. I'm going to fast forward your life. You didn't know I could do this. But preachers, we can do lots of stuff. I'm going to fast forward your life. I'm going to do it Stephen Covey style, which I know for many at Northside, we're getting back to the heydays here. 90s psychology, but it's Covey, Covey, had a great principle, didn't he? It was called Begin With The... See, I know I'm at Northside. <laughs> the Gospel According to Stephen. <laughs> it's a great principle. Begin with the end in mind. He says, imagine you have a day where you turn up to your funeral. What do you want people to say about you? What do you want people to remember about you? It fast forwards us. You can fast forward right now. Let's do an exercise around that. There's a, there was a website called mindful.org that listed uh, the top five regrets of people that were on their deathbed. And so you want to know what some of them were? Um, here's number two. Let's start with number two. I wish I hadn't have worked so hard. <laughs> Sounds pretty obvious, doesn't it? Some of the studies they did, they said it was, came from primarily most of the males because of that generation. Males were often the breadwinners when they're doing the study, and so they wished that they had spent more time with their kids and their children. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Here's the other one. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. <laughs> wow. So what have we just done? We've just learnt to live as if our days were numbered. I've just given you the wisdom that Moses is saying that you need to have to live life. I've just fast-forwarded your life another 30 or 40 years. The question is, will they be the sorts of regrets? Is the mind wandering? The big question is, if that is what so many have on their deathbed, what are you going to do about it? What could you do now to change that? Now, some of you are going, Sam, but look, you, don't, you know, it's, uh, it was the same arguments everyone's had this last week. You don't know my workplace, you don't know my employer, you don't know the busyness, the craziness of my life. Often the big one is, look, it's, Sam, I have to do everything, otherwise I'm not sure if I can make it. <laughs> and then my, my question too is, well, what is it? <laughs> Define it. I'm not sure if you see so much of what we do in this place called church is trying to work out and to clarify what it is. Because I heard a quote from someone that said, um, Worse than failure is having success 
in things that don't matter. What is it? And some of you know what it is, or you think you know what it is. It was given to you by the parent who told you that this is exactly what you have to do and you're still living up to their standards or you know what it is because you've seen a parent who lived the life a way that you swear that you would never live and so you swear that you're never going to do that and, uh, or, you've, or you know what it is because you've got parents who are in the middle and were so mediocre you, well you can't win either way can you? <laughs> what is it? So much of what we work through in this place is working out what that is If your time is allocated, then how will you allocate your time? And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe there's a personal God who has a personal plan for your life, then you know and you understand and you are learning that he has purposed you to use this time for purposes that matter, that are significant. He wants to do something in you. He wants to do something through you. Because God has something to do through you here. The deep wrestle for us as Christians in our world is someone is going to work out what it is for you. Either you're going to allow him to work out what it is for you. You're going to read the word of God. You're going to claim his promises and his identity over your life. Or you're going to let your boss do it. Or you're going to let your spouse do it. Or you're going to let your friends do it. That You're constantly comparing yourself towards in Facebook or Instagram or whatever sort of channel that you might be looking at how they are. We're constantly defining, refining it. Your choice is where you want to get that it from. Someone's going to steal your time away from you this week. That's a, that's a given. Someone is going to come in. They're going to want more of it. People are going to want to have it. And the question is, well, who is going to get it? And why are they going to get it? And so as we begin to wrap up this morning... Has this been helpful? (laughs) I feel a little bit more practical than I normally am. Am I sounding a bit more practical? Ah, That's cool. I'm just sharing what I'm going through. (laughs) Uh, Here we I I, I want to keep crafting breathing room for us. I'm going to have that now. There There are four things that you can do right now. Four things before you move out of this door. If, if your time is a gift from God and it's limited, then why not let the one who gave it to you determine what you do with it? And so we're going to take a couple of minutes now. We're going to take a breather again. You're going to have to ask yourself now, write it down. Um, get your iPhones out. Get your notepads out. You know, People after service often say, Sam, you told that illustration before. I've heard that before. Why do you repeat yourself? Well, you have to hear something seven times to remember it. If you write it down, you only need to hear it once. And often I don't see many notebooks. So the more I see notebooks on a Sunday, the less I repeat myself. (laughs) So write this down. Uh, What do I need to subtract in my life this week? Realistically, this could be a person. This could be a relationship. What do I need to add in my life this week? What do I need more of? What do I need less of? Take a couple of minutes. I'm going to write down with you. And then we're going to pray.
So if my time is allocated, how will I allocate my time? And if you, if you allow the mind-curdling reality of what we heard from the scriptures this morning trickle down in the little details of your weekend and your schedule and your open plan desk this week for some, and your life and your morning and your breakfast and every small detail of your life, it will change your life this week. And here's how I know. Because your time is your life. If we walk out of here and change that, then we will become like Moses, just that little bit wiser this week because we've lived as if our days are numbered and they are. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.